Let's be honest, the first half of 2023 has been pretty wild for marketers. If we were to put it kindly, we'd say, hey, at least it hasn't been boring. We've had AI, we've had tech changes, we've had industry changes, Google algorithm updates, we've had changes to the platforms that we know, love, and in some cases, hate. So what we're going to do today is sort through everything that's happened. We're going to pick out the stuff that we need to take with us into the future and pick out the stuff, importantly, that we don't need to worry about too much for now. If you want to watch me drag all of these things around in a tier list, then you can watch a YouTube version of this video. But I'm going to be running you through everything that's happened in 2023 that marketers need to be thinking about ongoing. Let's do this. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja podcast. My name's Tim Cameron Kitchen. I am head ninja of Exposure Ninja. We are a digital marketing agency helping our clients generate more leads and sales online. And in this episode, we're going to be picking through everything that's happened so far in 2023 to work out what us marketers actually need to focus on going forward and what we can safely ignore, at least for now. Now, let's start off with AI. AI has been a seriously hot topic for the first half of 2023 as a whole, but of course, the thing that has really captured people's imagination is ChatGPT. Yes, technically, ChatGPT crashed into the marketing scene at the end of 2022, but it's really started blowing up the world in 2023. And it has made a bunch of different impacts on the world of marketing. It's sped up the use of AI in marketing. A lot of marketing teams now have ChatGPT as part of their daily workflow. And it has also pushed search engines to incorporate AI into their search engine results pages, which has led to some of the most fundamental changes to search that we have seen, at least since I started SEO way back in 2010-ish. Now, because of that, ChatGPT and the changes in search, these are one of the areas that we are calling industry shaking, i.e. you need to keep your eyes on it. Not long after ChatGPT started getting popular, of course, OpenAI teamed up with Microsoft and Bing to create Bing Chat, the AI chatbot attached inside the Bing search engine. Now, this chatbot provided a new way of searching and showed us a glimpse of what the future of AI search engines could look like. And the data that's been coming out of Microsoft about Bing Chat has also given us some hints about consumer searching habits might change over time and how consumers may get their answers from a chatbot rather than clicking links on a search engine and coming to our websites. Now, whilst Bing Chat is far from perfect, <clears throat> especially as it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's still Bing, it still fits into the industry shaking category, particularly because, if nothing else, it has pushed Google to make changes to its own search engine in playing with search generative experience, which we're going to come on to next. Now, of course, Google started off by trying to respond to open AI's ChatGPT by bringing out its own chatbot, Bard. Initially, this completely flopped, although they have been improving Bard steadily, and it's now comparable or even uh, better than ChatGPT in some tasks. It's now also multimodal. You can throw in images and it can give you feedback on images as well. But that wasn't really the biggest change that Google made in the world of AI. That was search generative experience. Now, SGE or search generative experience is large language model AI chatbots into search results. So when you search for something, you get a generative AI answer at the top. This is huge because it steps 
forward with Google's goals of trying to answer the searcher's query actually in the search results page without having to send people through to a website. Now, of course, you can ask the SGE follow-up questions. You can interrogate it a bit more. You can, if you want, click through on some websites that it links up at the top as well. Um, now, this is a, an, an industry-changing thing because most of us, particularly those who work in search, mainly focus on Google with SEO and, uh, you know, with, with pay-per-click. Although, of course, Bing is a, an important part of the ecosystem. Really, most stuff is about Google. And if Google decides to roll out SGE worldwide, then we could see this having an impact on the amount of traffic the websites are going to be getting from Google. Having said that, at the moment, SGE is, frankly, a bit rubbish. The answers are in most cases no better than the featured snippets which they're kind of pushing down the page. A lot of the time there's excessive duplication. The answers are sometimes overly wordy. There's no direct attribution and in some cases it's just taking chunks of text from a website and just publishing it with no attribution whatsoever. So there's also some sort of legal and moral questions um, in there as well, but never being one to let legal and moral questions get in the way of a good party. Um, Google is presumably going to roll out SGE at some point this year. And at that point, it will be a big industry shaking moment. Now, last in this AI section, we have AI ad generation. These AI ad generation tools look like they're going to become more and more commonplace as Meta and Google continues to build this technology into their ad platforms. Now, we think that this is going to raise the bar of the quality of advertising, mainly at the lower end, where advertisers who have been producing really terrible ads will now be able to produce incredibly mediocre ads with very little effort. So if you've been getting away with it because you've been producing mediocre ads while your competitors have been producing terrible ads, you're going to have to up your game here because soon everyone is going to have access to tools which is going to enable them to produce ads that are at least average in quality. So we see this as a more of a sort of raising the bar thing rather than for those who are running really well optimized campaigns with great creative, actually, some of these AI tools aren't really proving that useful to come up with things like headlines and ad copy or even images, because they already have really good quality, high performing ad copy headlines and images. But for those who are at the lower end who are, you know, maybe much lower budget and don't have the expertise, these ad creation tools could be a great way to sort of get them in the game. Now, I don't know if I've mentioned this once or twice before, but my company Exposure Ninja actually has something that we give our podcast listeners as a free gift to say thank you for your support with the podcast. And that is the free Exposure Ninja website and digital marketing review. Have you heard of this thing before? Basically, what happens is you head over to our website at ExposureNinja.com. You click a big button and you tell us a bit of information about your business. We then record you a 15 to 30 minute video showing you how to get more results from your digital marketing. We'll show you how to improve your leads, uh, both by improving your conversion rate, by also, but also looking at the traffic channels you're running and seeing how we can optimize them uh, to generate more visits to your site. And this service is completely free of charge and it's fantastic. So to apply for your free review, not everyone is eligible, but to apply for your free review, go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review today. Okay, so AI wasn't the only thing that's been happening in 2023, obviously, although sometimes it feels like it. The first half of the year was also full of news about Twitter. Who's surprised, right? Elon Musk sort of bought it, then didn't buy it, then bought it again. 
fired loads of people, annoyed loads of users, annoyed loads of advertisers, loads of people went to alternative platforms, Meta set up its own competitive platform. I mean, if nothing else, it has been entertaining. As a result, though, a lot of advertisers have, at the time of recording this at least, left Twitter. Elon's brought in a CEO who is quite advertising friendly. So it remains to be seen how Twitter is going to bring those advertisers back on. But they seem to be pretty bullish on the fact that the ad platform side of things is going to grow and is going to develop. Now, this makes it reasonably worth keeping an eye on for a lot of marketers, even if you're not using Twitter right now, because if they do improve the ad platform, that is another channel for us to play with, experiment with and see what sort of CPAs we can achieve. So we think that the Twitter meltdown sits comfortably between that you must be paying loads of attention to this every day and you can completely ignore this. We think it sits somewhere in the middle. We're putting it in the worth your time category. Next up, we have the Apple Vision Pro, Apple's super premium headset with this uh, augmented reality capabilities. Now, the reason that marketers were so obsessed talking about this when it came out was that not only does Apple have this way of making you want all the stuff that's already out there, but just positioning it in a slightly cooler way that just makes you really want to buy it. But this also has the potential to be a new computing platform. Remember when the iPhone came out, a lot of people raised their eyebrows. They're like, well, no one's going to pay like a thousand dollars or however much for a phone. That's completely ridiculous. But lo and behold, here we are all a few years later, and we all have iPhones or a lot of people have iPhones. And there is the potential that this Vision Pro falls into that sort of category where this is heralding a new computing platform. Now, there's a lot of potentials here at the moment. This is far from certain. But one thing is for sure, people who've tried the Apple Vision Pro absolutely love it. They rave about this product and think it is unlike anything that they've ever experienced before. So if that continues to play out and this product becomes popular, then we do have the makings of a new computing platform. And that means that us marketers have a new area, a new stage that we will need to compete for consumers' attention. This means new advertising methods, this means new engagement methods, and potentially new products and services that we can be selling to our customers. So this is a huge potential, but at the moment, it is exactly that, a potential. We know that Apple is going to be working on a lower priced mass adoption version of this, but the timelines on that are really unclear. So at the moment, we're putting this in the don't stress yet category. Yes, it's important, but let's be honest, there are much more important things that you need to be focusing on over the rest of this year. Okay, this next one has been an ongoing thorn in the side of marketers for years, but it's been continuing trending up this year, and that is the decrease in tracking and attribution. Like I say, this has been an issue for years, but it seems like in 2023, some companies like Apple are making it even harder to track users across platforms. Not only that, but as the customer journey is becoming more convoluted and busy and we're adding more platforms and content to our marketing strategies, it's now ch really challenging to know if a particular sale was, oh, that person clicked on the ad. Or was it that, you know, they clicked on your ad six months ago, they then followed you on Instagram, saw a story, then they checked out a product review on YouTube, they signed up for your email list on your website, got an email, then they headed back over to Google and did some organic search. And then they finally searched, for your product name, they clicked on an ad, came through to your website and purchased. Where do we attribute that sale to? And because the fact that we have less and less visibility on all the different stages in that process now is becoming more difficult for marketers to make data driven decisions about where to put their budget. Now, of course, it's important to track everything that we can. 
and ad channels, uh, sorry, and uh, GA4 um, is attempting to help us with some of this stuff. But because this is an issue that is so widespread and across everyone in the industry, there's not really that much advantage to be gained from this or losses to be had from this. This is just the rules of the game have changed and the days of us being able to track precisely how people are engaging with our brand across all the different touch points. Let's be honest, those are probably over. So we're all working a little bit blinder than we used to. And while some of these ad channels are trying to help with, you know, uh, models conversions and, um, you know, Facebook and Google are now trying to guess where a conversion came from and all this type of stuff. Let's just be honest, we're all dealing a little bit more blindly than we used to. So this is an important thing, but we're going to put it in keep an eye on it because it's not critical because there's actually not a huge amount that we can do other than do our best with analytics and understanding the different touch points. Now, speaking of ads and traffic, uh, ads and tracking, sorry, a huge upgrade that we've had to Google ads this year, or at least something that Google has been pushing even heavier this year is the performance max campaigns. These campaigns use machine learning and AI to hit users who are most likely to convert with ads or Google things are most likely to convert with the ads. Now, Google does this by showing the ads across all of the different ad channels that we have there, search, display, maps, YouTube. Um, and this includes targeting audience types that you maybe may have may not have considered before. Now, the PPC team at Exposure Ninja loves performance max campaigns, and we've had some great results from it so far, up to a thousand percent return on ad spend in some cases. Now, a lot of people are still a little bit skeptical about performance max. And yes, it doesn't necessarily work for every company and every ad campaign, but we definitely think it's worth testing. So we're putting it in the worth your time category. This is worth your time exploring and experimenting with. Now, speaking of Google platforms, something that we haven't seen marketers talking about anywhere near as much as they should do is Google's perspectives filter. This is a filter for organic search. At the moment, it's only visible on uh, in the US on mobile. But when you tap the perspectives filter on a search, what you see is user generated content, uh, mainly video, long form and short form, also Reddit, and Quora posts. Now, my observation is the perspectives is showing more um, text based search results in perspectives than it was at the start when it was mainly short form video. So I don't know if that's changing as user click through rate is taken into consideration. But let's say you run a search like which is the best iPhone case in the regular Google organic search results, eventually, you'll have the um, generative search answer at the top, then you'll have some blue links, which will often be you know, um, review websites and websites which are comparing different cases a bunch of, against a bunch of different criteria. Then if you click the perspectives tab, though, you're going to see firsthand experience from, you know, creators and influencers and people on social media and in forums sharing their personal experience of different phone cases. Now, I think that this is a good an attempt from Google to sort of balance out the potentially less personal AI generated responses that it's going to be adding to search in the coming months. This gives users the alternative between a, a sort of generic response and a very intensely personal single perspective response. So it'll be really interesting to see how users switch between perspectives and regular search results and which one becomes more popular for different types of searches. But I think that marketers really need to be thinking about how they can encourage users to create the type of content that is ranking in perspectives, or how they can work with influencers that are already ranking already have their content featured in perspectives or how they can, you know, piggyback on the Reddit threads or Quora questions that are already ranking in perspectives 
in order to make the most of it when it becomes uh, more widespread use. So don't sleep on perspectives. I think this is going to be a huge asset for marketers, which is why I think it's in the industry shaking category here. This is something that you absolutely need to be spending some time on. Now, whilst we're talking about new platforms, let's talk about threads, Meta's new, fa uh, Meta's new Twitter clone. Over the years, there's been plenty of Twitter competitors, but none have really landed on the scene with the same bang as Threads, and certainly none have ever got to 100 million users so quickly. Because Threads is connected to Instagram, it's very easy for people to learn about it and join, and they, they sort of opened the floodgates and got 100 million users very quickly. Now, it has seen a drop-off since the initial hype, but we do expect it to stick around in some form for a while, not least because there are so many people that are unhappy with Twitter. Now, for me, the key to Thread's enduring popularity is going to be how quickly um, influencers are able to, uh, influencers and people who create on Threads are going to be able to build their audience and how much of a, a sort of unique identity the Threads community is going to have. I think if they can do that, then Threads has a lot of potential. And for marketers, then it becomes really interesting because Meta's ad product is so much better and the targeting is so much better than what we get with Twitter. This could be a great way for us to enter conversations that people are having about products or services, which actually is very difficult to do across any other social platform. So it could be a really interesting um, ad channel for us to be playing with. Now, Zuck has said that there aren't going to be ads on threads for some time until they have at least a billion users. But I mean, come on, dude, there are lots of different ways to get to a billion users, right, without actually having a billion daily active users. So I don't think it's going to be years until we're seeing ads. Um, on the topic of social media, we also saw a big protest happening on Reddit in the first half of 2023. This might not seem like a big deal to marketers. I think there's a couple of reasons why this is relevant though. Firstly, Reddit posts often appear in search results. And as part of the protest, many subreddits went private. If there was a high ranking post or a series of posts that recommended your product or service, it's not uncommon for us to go into a client's analytics account and notice that they're getting a lot of referral traffic from a particular subreddit thread, where people have been talking about something, someone's recommended their business, and actually, unbeknownst to them, they're getting some recommendations, they're getting some leads and sales from that. And it's mentions on sites like Reddit like that, that are easy to take for granted. You might not think that they're happening. They're user generated content that you may not know about. You don't notice it until it's gone. So because of that, the Reddit meltdown is a little bit important. The other reason I think this is important to marketers, though, is that there is a wider conversation going on all around user generated content and AI and ownership. So it's very clear that the, the, the users of Reddit feel like to an extent they own that platform, they own the right um, to, you know, have a say in how that platform is po policed and the policies that, that platform has. And then the platform is saying, well, we have an ownership over the content that's created on our platform. We should have a choice about how like AI uh, bots are crawling the content to, to learn about how the world works. We should have ownership of that. So I think there's an unresolved question here around copyright ownership and who owns user generated content, which will play out uh, over the coming years, and may have a uh, uh, may have um, a significance for marketers in various forms. Our final 2023 update is everyone's favorite. Yes, it's Google Analytics 4. If you're a marketer, the start of 2023 has basically just been watching a countdown um, inside Google Analytics to the time where your beloved, familiar Universal Analytics is about to be replaced by an unknown, slightly scary, slightly strange, 
GA4 where you maybe don't know where to find the information that you used to rely on and some of the data seems a little bit weird and some of the definitions have changed, new terminology, all that stuff. GA4, I get it. Like it feels a bit jarring. It's like Google decided after years of marketers getting to grips with Universal Analytics that they're just going to replace it with no reason. Like, oh, as if COVID hasn't been tough enough. As if transitioning to remote work hasn't been tough enough. Cost of living hasn't been tough enough. Right, we're just going to steal Google Analytics for you and give you GA4 instead. Ha. Well, that's the sort of negative view of it. Of course, GA4 is actually pretty powerful and, and we actually really like it, but it does take a little bit of getting used to. And realistically, Google has to do this because um, they are sick of being uh, fined for, <laughs> for for data protection breaches and uh, user privacy and all stuff like that. So GA4 is a necessary evil. I think the key is in, in 2023 is to continue becoming more familiar with GA4, continue thinking about your analytics from a perspective of where's, you know, what do I want to learn? And then how do I go and find it? J4 is undoubtedly less intuitive than universal analytics. So you really have to know what you're looking for before you go in. Otherwise, it's very easy to get confused and overwhelmed. And don't forget to go and check out our YouTube tutorials on GA4 to see our recommendations of the areas that you should be spending time in and the most useful screens for you. All right, so we've explored some of the biggest AI news in 2023, the platforms and tools that have made a big impact. But what about the strategies or marketing channels that are really rocking the industry, taking off or maybe even seeing a bit of a renaissance? Well, it's impossible to ignore the economic uncertainty that has led to a cost of living crisis in many countries. Higher interest rates have a noticeable impact on consumer behavior. And that is really important for marketers, whether we're in B2B or B2C, because at the end of the day, the consumer buys everything. As a result, it's often more challenging than ever to sell products, meaning sometimes marketers are having to get creative with lower budgets, or they're having to communicate to a consumer that is in a very different mind space to how they were maybe a year or two years ago. So the recession is something that we cannot ignore. And speaking to our customers where they're at, and by the way, I use the phrase recession loosely. I don't mean that, you know, a technical definition of a recession, which is, you know, two consecutive quarters of negative growth. I mean, the recession mindset, which is, you know, economic fear, uncertainty and doubt. And we need to be conscious that this is how our consumers might be thinking that our customers might be thinking. And we need to make sure that our marketing messages make sense in that context. Now, one of the ways that brands have been standing out in a cost of living crisis is by putting more focus on branding and positioning. And we've seen this be a real focus for our clients at Exposure Ninja over the first half of the year, we've built a bunch of different services to work uh, with them on this around branding and positioning. And um, we built a service called Fix Your Machine where we help brands um, identify their positioning, what makes them stand out from the crowd and figure out how they can position themselves differently to their competitors in order to win online. And it's been really, really popular. It's massively exceeded our expectations. And what we're noticing is that brands are no longer just showing up, running some PPC, say, writing a couple of blogs and watching the money come in. It's no longer just enough to be in the game to be visible. You actually have to be proving to people why shopping with you is better than your competitors and why you're different from them. What makes you stand out? This sort of point of difference thing has become more and more of a battleground as the, the cost of living crisis and all the fear and uncertainty around the economic conditions 
has worsened. Another strategy that stood out in the first half of the year is community marketing. So this involves building a community on a platform like Discord, Slack, TikTok, or Reddit. And loads of brands doing this really well. Um, some that sort of stand out, Sneak Energy on Discord or Duolingo on TikTok. And they've really got some traction by creating this sense around their brand of a sort of if you know, you know, wink, wink type thing. So people in their community feel like insiders who get access to information and a bit of a, a sort of inside secrets or understand an in-joke with the brand, right? We see this in all sorts of scenarios. Ryanair on TikTok, for example, has done a great job of this, of being like really cheeky and really quite personal and much more relatable in some of these channels than in other channels which is really interesting. And that relatable um, sort of brand personality goes a long way to building trust and credibility with consumers. And it really seems to be working. So we think that community marketing, well, we were expecting it to have a, a sort of a steeper trajectory in the first half of the year, but really AI has sort of <laughs> knocked everything else out of the way. But we do think that community marketing will continue to grow in the second half of the year, although it's one of those things that sort of happens under the radar because you don't necessarily see what's happening on a brand's Discord, for example. We do think that it's something brands can continue to focus on. Now, we spoke about AI and perspectives earlier, and as a result of these two um, announcements, we actually think that influencer marketing is due a bit of a renaissance. It may have lost a bit of its sheen, a bit of its coolness over the last few years as it became a bit more, uh, I guess, like corporate, competitive. But we think that influencer marketing could be more important than ever for a couple of reasons. Firstly, as a bit of an antidote to the more generic AI content that we're all going to be seeing more of as AI makes its way into search results and as more people are sort of spending time talking to ChatGBT, the, the human side of influencer marketing could become more powerful. But remember that perspectives filter on Google, influencer marketing could also be one of the keys to getting some traction in that. And if perspectives becomes a very popular filter on, uh, you know, for certain types of searches, it could be that influencer marketing really is the way to get that traffic and to get those eyeballs on your brand. Another digital marketing strategy that we feel is going to make a massive difference to marketers and see a bit of a renaissance based on everything else that's happening right now is digital PR. Now at Exposure Ninja, we hired our first digital PR ninja, I think in 2014. And I'd been doing it myself for about a year before that. So we've been doing digital PR for about a decade. But it is cooler than ever because of all this AI stuff. So if we think about the different impacts that AI will have on marketing, firstly, we have AI and search results, which means that it's going to be more important than ever to pick the top spots of the organic results because they're going to be pushed slightly further down the page. Digital PR is a great way of building links, which gets you visibility and authority, which by the way, is also going to help you get uh, featured or recommended in the AI search results themselves. Secondly, we have the fact that these large language models are crawling internet data. And if your brand is being mentioned in top tier publications, those mentions and the descriptions of your brand are going to be making their way into the large language models. So we basically want to teach the large language models that your brand is really important and is a big part of your world and your industry. And digital PR getting featured on the sort of websites that are really top tier in your space is a great way of doing that. The third way that AI makes digital PR more important than ever is that if you do start to lose a bit of organic traffic from informational searches because Google is showing AI generative AI results in the search results, 
digital PR can be a fantastic source of traffic in its own right if you're being featured in, say, industry publications and the sorts of places that your audience is actually spending its time in. So we think that digital PR is never gone away. It's always been a, you know, a consistently good high return marketing channel, but we actually think it could become more important than ever because of everything else that's going on at the moment. So there we have it, a bit of a roundup on the first half of the year and some of the things that you might want to keep your eye on for the second half of 2023. Remember, this is just our opinion and in most cases actually just my opinion. So let me know in the comments on our YouTube video whether you agree with any of these, whether you disagree with any of them. Is there anything that you think we should have added to this list? You can just search for Exposure Ninja on YouTube and you'll see all of the video versions of these podcasts and more videos that don't make it, you know, that maybe don't make sense as a podcast. So we just record a video of them. Until next time, see you soon.